the Modern Black Man Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Black Man Podcast. This week, I have a really um, connected topic to uh, most of us. We're going to talk about George Floyd. I know that this is something that weighs heavy on my heart, something that uh, I have a couple of co-hosts that are... uh, going to have this conversation with me. I'll begin with introducing my first co-host, the host of the Fade Up podcast. Um, Someone that I'm really excited to get his perspective because in listening to him and uh, most things that he does, he's very thoughtful um, as well as authentic. Um, Bryn, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, man. I I really do appreciate it. I'm also joined by the host of Co-Indie Podcast, uh, someone else who's very thoughtful, um, a poet, uh, screenwriter, and activist, uh, Miss Nia Torres. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Brian. Thanks for joining the conversation. I'm actually really lucky to have you on the show uh, because she is uh, a kid from Minneapolis. Uh, this is all her hometown, so I think that she's going to have a, a really unique perspective on this that I'm excited to hear. Um, without any more introductions, um, I really want to talk about George Floyd. Uh, did you guys see the video surveillance of the whole event? Yes. I mean, it's just, it, it, it sends chills down your spine watching it the whole the whole time. It, it was like from the beginning of the stop, you knew something was going to go wrong. And when he gets out of the car and you see how he's walking, you see the the whole scene, you just feel like something goes wrong. And then something went wrong. I mean, wh- what, what did you see when you saw this? Where did it begin to go wrong? Uh, I can say, <clears throat> excuse me, I can say for me and, and uh, I'm just, just viewing it, I, I think honestly, I think it went wrong with this. And, and let me let me frame this correctly because I, I don't want to say necessarily wrong, but in the eyes of certain individuals, or we could just call it what it is with white people, um, where it went wrong was his skin color. Mm. I mean, to me, that's just where it went wrong. It's just as soon as as soon as the event begins to unfold, you know something's going to go yeah. wrong, and then the look yeah. on that cop's face. Um, yeah. when he was pr- pressing down that pressure on his neck and then watching no the remorse. video, none at all. I mean, it was like he was sent there to execute him. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I definitely was, you know, wanting to hear from somebody that can give us a little bit of, uh, yeah. context. Well, um, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> is, is this, is this what Minneapolis is all about? I said, I just I would love to hear somebody give me some context uh, about what happened in Minneapolis. I mean, I don't understand how um, something that 99.99% of the time you should be able to walk away with your life, uh, this man didn't. And the fact that we watched how easy it is to slip and lose your life interacting with the police. Right. Well, I think this is, I, I, especially for the people in Minneapolis, this is just, um, this is all too familiar to us. And I, you know, I don't live in Minneapolis anymore, but, you know, my Facebook is saturated with family, friends, activists, people who are, um, who are um, still in the community or, you know, just starting to work in the community. And um, this is just a repeat of Philando Castillo. So it's just, I mean, Philando obviously was was shot, um, but this is just a repeat of something we've seen before. 
I mean, I think as a whole, something that we've all seen before, you know, even I see now people are saying police put their um, um, their, you know, knees into his um, back and on his neck. So it's just a repeat. Right. Yeah, I can hear you. I think that you're right. It's kind of like this is the pick and choose from the last three events that we've seen. And it's just a a repeat. Um, It's kind of like we get the the repeat element uh, of the last event to add on to this one from um, from this new event that reminds us of an event from two years ago now. Um, Are things actually getting worse or is it that we're finally um, on this in our country? It's school shootings and it's, um, you know, police victim, police brutality. Um, These are two themes that are very deep in America. And I don't think that these are things that are going to end anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. Um, It's it's funny. The question that you posed at the beginning of, of, you know, your statement there. I saw um, someone pose a similar question on Twitter, just asking, is racism worse? Has it gotten worse? And someone responded and said, no, it hasn't gotten worse. It's just we can record it now. Um, and and I think that's where it comes down to. I think uh, that yeah. <laughs> we're seeing the things that w- were said for years and years and years. I remember being a young, a young child, and when you know the uh, when the Rodney King incident happened, yep. you often heard that um, you know this kind of stuff doesn't happen to black people. It's it's rare. You guys are making that up. This isn't the 1950s and 60s anymore where that stuff happens. This right. we're, we're, we live in a much more tolerable world now. You know you heard a lot of that back back then, but the difference between now and 30 years ago is you know you're not walking around with some huge uh, um, video camera. So the chances of someone recording you is, is slim to none. Now everyone has, you know, a, a device that can record on all you got to do is pull out your phone. Exactly. But we see it now. Exactly. But, but these smartphones right. were the great equalizer right. in the fight against police brutality because in 1990, um, it was, it was a big handheld device that could record everything. Now, it slips in your pocket. So now Rodney King isn't something that happened once in a generation. It's something that happens multiple times every season. And obviously this should or has been exposing an epidemic that we have. This is our police department. It's not unique to one region. It's not unique to one city. This isn't something that just happens in Texas. Uh, This is a problem nationwide, no matter where you go. So that only informs us on how police or policing feel about black men. Exactly. Right. Right. And I I see a lot of people on social media right now saying that they're scared for their sons to be out and their husbands because they're black. And so, um, you know, obviously I'm not a black man. I, I just... You know, I I wonder how men are feeling about this. It's like continued of like being targeted. And, you know, what, you know, it's, I don't know. It just, does it build trust with, um, with like the law? Does it it build trust? Does it make you feel um, like, you know, you, I mean, I I just, I mean, my, that's where my mind is shifting to because it's just, um, you know, I'm just reading all the comments on Facebook and it's just, it's sad and it's scary. And, you know, I have two boys, um, you know, so I have brothers. I just, I'm trying to empathize right now with um, why this continues. Well, that's something that was really no interesting with this case is that they fired four cops. Uh, right. Yeah, but we don't, just the firing is just one thing. And I've seen, um, you know, on TV, uh, Mayor Jacob Fry. He is now wanting these men to be, um, you know, he, he wants justice. People just don't want them fired. So I hope it's not just another fluke situation where everybody gets their momentum riled up 
and you know we're rallying and we're crying out and we want justice and then you know a half a year to whatever time later we get the verdict and no one's guilty. I want to talk about that. That's that's I the letdown. That's that. the sad. Why that, do we have you know, a continued disappointment yeah, where we know we're not going to get justice? We know that blue is uh more love than black. We know that blue sticks together. We know that blue comes out of the courtroom uh, unscathed most of the time. I think that that woman that, that executed that man in Dallas was the first time um, anyone got prosecuted, if I'm even speaking about that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there has been a case where it, that I think justice was upheld, where we finally ruled that you just can't kill um, men or boys in the street because of the color of their skin. Uh, but what are we actually doing to change that is really what I want to ask. For me, um, and, and just to kind of circle back a little bit, there was one officer, I believe, about three or four years ago that did get sentenced to like 60 years or something for killing a black man. But it it was so swept under the rug. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just a couple of things. I think, for one, it's it just comes down to, to, to skin tone, skin color. Um, that's the first issue is that you're black, so you're always, always, yeah. you got to remember the Constitution said, what, three-fifths of a person? So you're yes. always, no matter what, um, right. you, there's there's always going to be a hierarchy over us. That's the first issue. The second issue is kind of like what Nia said, like six months from now, a year from now, we forget about it. We move on with our lives, and after the momentum is gone and the, the rage is gone, we just kind of yeah. sit back and we're like, okay, that's, you know, we could, we could go back to our normal lives, but we can't, I, first thing no. I feel like we can't continue doing that as black people. Like we have yeah. to, we have to continue to bring awareness and not just black people. We need, we need white people, people too. We need all people to start saying like, this is unfair because there's one group of people that are being disproportionately targeted yes. on, the, in, on, on yes. in, in this country. Yeah. And you know what? We can't honestly, we, we need to voice that more. We cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I heard a very interesting conversation today. Someone was offended uh, of the thought of using the word minority, um, talking about there's nothing minor about me. And it really stuck with me because, again, for our movement to really have impact or for us to see any kind of change, we will need the majority we will need those white officers and pardon me if this is an epitaph, but we're going to need rednecks that look like the man that executed George Floyd to change anything. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, it's just going to continue. It's just going to be the same right. thing uh, over and over and over again. And people are going to be disconnected until bigots that look like Donald Trump feel the pain from things like this. It will always be the same. Yes. Yes, I agree. And, um, you know, for me, it's kind of like um, I'm honestly deflated from just all of the. I remember when uh, Trayvon Martin and he wasn't obviously killed by a cop, but that's what started me protesting and and got me out there and riled up and I was very upset and I was hurt. I remember protesting on the U of M campus, um, just furious and mad, went through all the case. Uh, you know, everything. And then, you know, the verdict was, you know, not guilty. And I then had to take a second look and start understanding the law and how much the law was on, you know, police side and how the law viewed, um, you know, just how there were so many loopholes in, in there, there are so many loopholes in our law. And I think a lot of people really don't, we get so emotionally attached to these cases that we're not really looking at the law and how the law doesn't protect us because it really starts there with our legislation. And then it trickles down to Congress, you know, and Senate and, you know, whatever else. So, um, or our judicial system for that matter. And so, um, so I just start looking at it from that perspective. And then, you know, honestly, I became less attached to what was going on because I just started seeing that these people are going to get off. They're going to, there's some way, somehow they're going to get off. And I just started becoming kind of numb to 
all of this news. So, you know, honestly, when I first heard about this, it was just kind of like it went over my head because I was like another black man killed by a cop. So they're going to let them off. And only until it kept popping up on my newsfeed, you know, I have so many friends that are part of NAACP, Mad Dads, Men Empowerment. Um, you know, I, my, um, I have great friends who are best friends with our uh, mayor. And I know people who know um, our representatives. And I started, and so they're constantly, you know, flooding my newsfeed, I mean, my Facebook with their, um, you know, thoughts and comments and live um, and pictures. And, and I'm like, okay, Nia, you have to stay attached because it can be numbing. It can be numbing to continue to get your emotions and your heart and your thoughts, you know, in these cases just to be let down. You know, um, you know, Philando Castillo was a really big one with Minnesota. And I, I have people around the, I have friends in Ohio. I have friends here on the East Coast. I have friends everywhere. And they're like, Minnesota's not having it. I'm like, they're not having it. Um, because you guys have to remember there was another case just a few months ago where a black man was a cop and he was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Mohammed, um, his last name was Noor, I believe N-O-R-R. And because he was a black cop who killed a white woman and not justifying death, not saying that he was right, but it's like, okay, finally, when the law gets it right, look at the skin color, look at the side that well, everybody I, was on. To go on your point, so I think that's numbing. the point I'm trying to make is that it's institutional racism. These laws are yeah. designed to empower and disempower yeah. specific um, individuals because it is an institution of power and the distribution of power is always going to work for 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 the advantaged uh or for those that it's designed to benefit however you want to look at it uh, it doesn't have to be a clear white agenda for there to be a white slant and that's what i think that we're maybe painfully becoming uh aware of and that's the fact that it's institutional racism insulated through um legality yeah, you know, that, that brings me to a thought I had, or actually I, I discussed it on the episode I, I did a few weeks ago when, um, when you know, this whole thing with the Ahmaud Arbery first, Ar, excuse me, Arbery first came up, and, um, or excuse me, not first came up, I should say more so resurfaced. Uh, and one of the things that I've said with us is, is, especially with Black people, we have to realize our power in this country, and I think that there is a fear of that. But, you know, we spend more money than anyone else in this country. Um, but our money lasts the, the least amount of time in our communities. Right. We are so quick to spend with anyone that doesn't look like us, preferably anyone that doesn't look like us. Right. Um, and, and we show it in our uh, economic sense, in our, in our spending. Um, but absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I, that's what my point was. Like, we have to start. First of all, we have to start there. We have to understand the power of that dollar, because every most most advertising goes it gears towards us. I mean, it just gears towards us. And then the other side of it too is on the plus side, but the side that we also need to to use to our advantage is black people right now are starting businesses more than anyone else in this country. So. With that being said, um, kind of to Nia's point earlier about we need to get the laws changed, we need to get the legislature. When you think about that, big companies, when they want laws put in place to protect them, they lobby. They use their dollars. They use their money. So to me, with that thinking of, A, we need to start pooling our money and using it you know, for our community and, and resources that go towards us and stop spending it to these, you know, these individuals and to these companies that don't care about us. And two, when we start businesses and our businesses grow and they can make a difference, not only in our community, but the world period, we need to start taking our dollars and do exactly what those big corporations do, do exactly what your Facebooks do and your Verizons and all those other companies. When they want laws to get changed, they throw dollars to those, yes. to those, to the senators, they throw dollars to the president, they throw dollars to, to our government. When we get to that point, we need to take our, our money and do the same thing. What would a concentrated black caucus look like in America, though? Good for us, scary for them, I think. Nia? 
Mm, you, you know what? I, I agree with, um, was it Bren? I agree. Yeah. I, I just, I think that sometimes black people um, feel, you know, sometimes I'm not saying that I have this mentality, but I hear it from other blacks that, you know, when we work together, we can't work together. We don't work together. So I feel like a concentrated caucus, a black caucus would a, we have to kind of eradicate some of the stuff that we feel amongst each other or about each other, because I feel, you know, you, you know, just being in DC, this is the first time I worked around, um, you know, I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota is predominantly white coming out to DC, which is predominantly black. It's, it's definitely um, a culture shock. And when then you work with, you know, blacks, and then you see that sometimes we're not getting along as we should be as well as should, we should be, you know, I don't know if that's um, an idealistic approach to things because we're black, we should be able to get along or maybe we should look at things the way that, um, you know, just kind of a real world point of view, which is we're not going to always get along, but I like the thought of putting, um, you know, I, I live in Virginia because I want to put back into my community. I don't want to live in an area where I have to shop outside of my area. I have to take my kids to school outside of my area. I have to put my money in a different area. So I love the fact that, you know, the idea of living in a community or giving back to my community, which is my black community, putting my dollars in black businesses, black owned banks, black this, but I love the thought. I, I, and I'm for it. You know, and I and and you know the way I kind of live my life, I'm definitely for that. I just I when I hear um, other when I hear people talking about it, like some some African some black people, it's kind of like they don't trust or they don't believe it'll go this way or it. And so I don't know. I just like I I hear I hear both sides of it. So, um, but I I like I yeah, like I the thought. <laughs> Yeah, I got two points on that. I absolutely think that um, we see microsms of uh, a, a black work culture. Uh, I know that there are, you know, probably sex where it works and sex where it doesn't. Um, but as a whole, to have in a country like the United States a functioning black caucus to react to something like George Floyd is an interesting thought. If we had real enforcement like I felt we should have had with Eric Holder and Barack Obama when uh, Ferguson yes. uh, was yeah. going on, when uh, police were executing young men with, uh, uh, in Chicago, when we had Eric Garner the first time, uh, Mike Brown was the specific example uh, I was speaking of, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's because the institution that has been built, uh, the point that I made earlier, it's it's truly a system that's designed to benefit um, those that it benefits. And that benefit comes from the disenfranchisement of um, those that are not other than. And I think we see it with these police shootings, but that Black Caucus, that idea to, to, to neutralize that is, is, is one that I'm uh, truly optimistic uh, uh, that our country progresses to. Because I thought a black president, uh, black AG, I thought I thought it was a lock. I thought it was uh, you wouldn't even have to think twice about it. You know, I thought that the uh, institution of police would respect life, but it didn't happen then. And we're a decade removed from it, and we're dealing with the same issue. When does it? When? I, just, I, I wanted to just jump in real quick and say on that. I I think that personally, what I believe is that since since Barack Obama got in office, it's, it's actually gotten worse. I think that it, it's kind of exposed yes. <laughs> this country yes. for truly who it is. I always used to kind of use the example to people, and it, it's, it's sad to say this, but, you know, when we've been in a certain way for so long, and America's all about history. I mean, I, I haven't lived in other countries to tell you, you know, how they feel about history, but I personally, I just think there's no other country that's, that probably believes in patriotism and history more than America, right? Like we just, we dwell in and we dwell in the past so much. And I think with Barack Obama's election, that was his country kind of trying to prove to, to itself that we're not racist. We're not what everyone thinks we are. Look, we voted a black president in, into office. And then at some point, we're not. As, 
right we're not racist anymore it's almost like the i got a black friend so i'm not racist thing and then all of a sudden the country woke up and was like wait we voted a black a black a black um a president into office what the hell did we do and then that's where just things just kind of derailed because it just got worse there's more racism now we we we, we got a, a president in office right. that's like vocally racist like we we elected the exact opposite of what we just had in office four years ago so i i just feel like to me to me brian like i get your point where you know we should have had that in there but i Absolutely. I, I just think that this country kind of looked at it at that point and said hey we did our due diligence we checked we checked the goal off the box we got a black president in here now we need to we need to move on and really be who we are and it's just made it just we'll made things box. worse <laughs> I, I think he didn't he didn't really stand a chance to do much for for the black community i, I don't think it was gonna they, they weren't gonna allow it anyway how american for us to get checked off the box right to just move through the motion and yeah. uh lynch more bodies every year um i just i just really hope that some of the things that we talk about really come to fruition um, and that change comes. I think that change isn't, isn't like um, just, Mm -hmm. I think change is, it comes in spurts. It's not going to be this big boom because that would be too great. And I think that the little changes, the little things like, um, you know, just these people out protesting and, um, you know, and just continuing to fight and continuing to fight for justice. And um, Lord's willing, because I'm a very spiritual person, um, you know, the fact that they got um, fired immediately. Unfortunately, we want more, but that's better than um, putting them on administrative leave like they've done in a lot of cases and, you know, or leave with pay or whatever it is. So, you know, um, you know, I'm celebrating the little victory, even though, you know, obviously we want so much more. Um, but, you know, I, for me, that's how I have to um, sit at the table with America. I have to eat small portions at a time. I can't get fat, get full, think that everything's all good because it's not so but um you know i guess we're we have still more to come yeah and absolutely. Um, we'll see how this do you think whole that uh, uh, uh bring you know? do you think that justice um will be miscarried again and if so what will it look like um in this particular with this particular incident because you have the mayor behind it because it's so public um it's kind of unfortunately one of those things where like you know the death death comes in three thing and you see Amaya Aubrey, Sean Reed and then this happens so everyone is like blowing up and this for whatever reason I just kind of feel this is a this is the thing unfortunately that is is going to unfortunately but at the same time um there is benefit in it that will I think justice will get served differently than we've seen before but I, the wonder for me is after this happens, what's next? Because will it be another one of those things like, okay, we gave you guys what you want. This will, this will quiet you down for a while. And then the next incident happens and then it, it goes all, all the way back to normal. So to me, like if this happens, it, it happens, it happens the way that I hope that it happens. This needs to be the new norm. It can no longer be, he's, he was a criminal anyway. He was doing something. So, you know, he his life should have been taken, or it it can't be that anymore. It has to be that if this is if this is what happens now, this has to be the new norm, and and we have to hold people accountable. It can no longer be that this is okay. You can't have the Amy Cooper situation anymore, where uh, someone just blatantly decides, and if there's no other evidence of white privilege and no other evidence of um, how black people are viewed, this is someone who verbally said. I'm going to call the police and tell them that you, an African-American male, are, is trying to harm me. Like these things, these, these need to be the new norms. People have to be held accountable. We can no longer sweep it under the rug, go put people off in administrative leave, allow them to come back or give them 10 years, five years, and then they'll go back to their livelihoods, protective custody and all that. Right. We can't do that. Anymore. Right, right. 
Well, let's let's certainly talk about that, and then I want to talk about uh, the militarization right. of police. But let's talk about the uh, young lady uh, oh, yeah. who threatened. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry about that. Sorry. Go ahead. No problem. Um, but but here she I'm watching it right now on television. But uh, um, let's talk about those two things. I want to talk about this. I believe it's Annie Cooper. Um, and then I want to talk about the militarization of police and uh, fear inducing tactics uh, like this that I feel are domestic terrorism. You no, know, I have some thoughts on, on both. Uh, the military, the militarization of police is is crazy to me. I, I remember reading an article, um, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago now about, it was, It talked about the militarization of police and it talked about one police force. I can't remember where it was. And this is, this was not too long after, um, after Mike Brown was, after Michael Brown was murdered. And there was an article and it talked about, there was this, this, this middle of America um, police force. I can't remember what state it was in. It might, it might have actually been Missouri, um, but it said they have an APC tank. What what is a what is a, a suburban a suburban uh, police force? It was probably Ferguson. Yes, they had a, a, a tank. Um, I, I, let's continue to talk about that. I have some good stuff. Yeah, like what it was. What's the need for that? And in a lot of in, in in some cases, like when you look into what the some of these police forces have, some of them are armed better than our national guard. Our army guard. When you yes. go to other countries, other countries they don't they don't have this. I I looked up. I, I remember seeing something about when you go to European countries, the police officers they don't they don't have marked cars. Um, in some countries they don't have weapons at all. They can we talk equipment where they wear bright colors and things like that. And then if they need right. to something, then they have you know officers that are trained for that. But that's usually a last resort these cops have too much. I mean, there's no reason that um, uh, cops have armor-piercing rounds that they're firing in protected armored vehicles. Um, that's, that's, that's too many advantages right. and disadvantages being thrown around uh, for, for it to be uh, legitimate in any sense. I don't understand how anyone can claim to be a gun nut, an NRA person, uh, but not understand that weapons just beget more weapons. We need to go ahead and, and, and do something about the weapons that we have available because those are the weapons that we're going to have to fight on the street. Um, and, until we get to that point, this being America, we're, we're going to have this disproportion. And I think that the, one of the most dangerous things is for us to give the advantage to our police. If they're going to have these assets, <clears throat> why can't they learn to use them peacefully? Mm. Why can't they train but not use them on the civilians that don't have the same things to, to fire back? Correct. Correct? Uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's an unlevel playing field. So I don't know if that means that our soldiers need to become our police, uh, but, but, but something's got to change because they're going out and they're slaughtering the <laughs> civilians a little. It feels too often. Maybe these numbers have actually decreased like we started our conversation. Maybe it's just because now we can record it that we feel that it's omnipresent. This has been going on in the background for at least 100 years. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah. to the point of militarization, um, I, I, there, there's so much I can say. I just came back from uh, my home state and I saw the, the cool new guns and leathers and vests uh, that street cops are wearing. And I see the armor that's on the motorcycles now. And it looks pretty lit to be a cop now. Um, I don't. And my, my thing with, I mean, I don't mean to jump in, but, you know, it's like, I just think about training. And I like, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm hearing so many cops. They seem so, um, like the, there was a cop in particular that said he was startled when um, the cop shot Philando Castillo. As soon as he made a comment, 
he you know he said i'm going to go for my wallet and he was like oh you know i'm, I'm he's like don't pull your don't pull your wallet out or you know don't pull it out and then he shot him it seems like um obviously there's not enough training around what they're doing you have all you have your gun you have your right. your armor on you have your baton you have all this stuff yet you're still frazzled and so that concerns me it's like if you're that jumpy holding a gun or if it's that easy for you to just pull the trigger um there definitely should be some something well, you, else they don't given know because, what the other guy you know, has and just because like i get said, scared they don't have the right to doesn't kill mean that i need to kill somebody think they're scary um everybody's scared to me if i'm pulling a gun on them right like i i, I don't i mean i'm just saying i don't know anybody that 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 that's gonna that tactic would work yeah. in the effective one so again my first point is that we got to change our weapon system uh i don't know if we need to become a hands-on yeah. all of it yep our weapon system our training system it. you know yes some mental health checks yes because some people are just trigger yeah. happy and they just want to shoot and that's why they decide to be police officers to begin with <laughs> you know they want to be <laughs> they're all about the badassery but know, they don't realize whatever. that and, they have uh, mental you know, it's, illness it's, uh, you know they don't realize where, where they're missing the mark and their personal growth and development because as a country we disadvantage those that are disadvantaged we want to, 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 to punish people in these positions where they have ultimate power I mean, it, it makes no sense for a guy to be so detached um, yeah. that, that he executes a man on the street uh, while he's clearly being filmed. But you saw his ego being a police officer. Many of us have dealt with them are unreasonable because they can't be questioned. Their authority is everything. It's because the way that we're going about the job yeah. is wrong. We've got to change it. Um it's 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 made for for conflict yeah. the way that we're doing it now it's it's made for confrontation there's no reason um that when a police officer pulls behind you you don't feel safer yes but that's you a feel unique concerned and worried and you you know even the children know that, it's hard uh, everybody gets countries, silent people get and the same feelings from their police no, I, I don't think they do and can I, I I just wanted to add on to that and can I is it all right if I tell a, a really quick story that just kind of goes with this? Please uh, no. Please, so I agree with please. both of you guys with what you're saying as far as like the the training, the weapons and everything needs to it needs to be relooked at, especially the the mental Nia, you said something great. The mental health aspect of it, people need to have psychological evaluations because there was a the young woman that was killed, I believe, was it earlier this year, or last year, when, you know, the police came up to her door. Someone said that they thought yes. she was breaking in and she grabbed her gun. The officer shot her. Um, there was something I saw that said that when, you know, they they some, some they were somehow able to pull the uh, his interview. And one of the things that he said was he couldn't wait to get out there and kick some ass. So you have you have these cowboy mentalities. But also the story that I want to tell that goes into that is I got pulled over. Um, not too far from my neighborhood where, where I stay at yes. um, in Detroit. Um, this was back in November. And in Detroit, there's not there's not a lot of drug dealing like there used to be, but there's still this kind of drug dealing culture. And people drive certain kind of vehicles here. I have a Durango. I have, I have a Durango because I like Durangos, not because I'm a drug mm. dealer. I got pulled over out of nowhere by, by a police officer. And when he pulled me over, I'm maybe about a mile away from my, my house. He pulled me over. He asked for my license and registration. After I gave it to him, the very next question that he asked was, would you be, would you be opposed to me searching, my, searching your vehicle? And I, I said that my response to him was, I don't understand the need for you to search my vehicle. Absolutely. And he immediately got offended. And that goes into that point where you say, where you said, Nia, that there needs to be some right. kind of training because everyone's, their, their mentality right now is, it, it go is to 10 right away. It, it's, a, it's at 10 right away. There is no, you know, de-escalation of a situation. He immediately got offended because I, right. I questioned why he would need to search my vehicle. His response to me was, well, why would you not want me to search your vehicle? So that, that kind of stuff Right. That kind of stuff is is harming. And at that moment, 
Right. I was scared. That was right. the scariest like moment that I, one of the scariest right. moments that I felt in my life because I did not know what his next response would be. Would he pull me out the car? Would something right. happen? Like he, it just so happened that he, he, you know, he mm-hmm. gave me my stuff back and was like, you know, go about your wow. business. But that fear, I should not fear a routine traffic stop. I should, first of all, I shouldn't be getting pulled over and profiled because of the vehicle I drive and my skin color. But secondly, I shouldn't have fear in that moment that where is this going to go? Is he going to, is, is, is he going to pull me out of, out of the vehicle? And then once he pulls me out, like what happens next? I got a crazy story for you. Like uh, one of these ultimate moments uh, where you get pulled over and you just don't know where you get that eerie feeling. It was one night after I had graduated from college. It was probably 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm just on my way back home uh, from a little light evening out. Long story short, cop pulls me over. He's uh, like a a, um, highway patrol or something like that. Within the first minute or two of uh, uh, this traffic stop, he wants me to get out of the car. Um. He 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 pulled his gun on me as soon as he pulled me over because I think at that time I did have a drug dealer car. Um, I think I had like a um, a Monte Carlo with the candy paint rims, all that. Um, again, he gets me out the car at gunpoint, and my head's on the hood, and my hands behind my back. He's you know lacing me up and all this stuff, and uh, we somehow begin a conversation. Um, after five to ten minutes of a conversation, I find out that I went to college with this dude and uh, he's friends with people that I'm friends with, right? Um, for for no reason, right? He goes ahead and lets me, you know, he he, he unhooks me, right? Uh, and I just ask him why, why with the gun? And there's so much trauma that comes from being a police officer or a cop that that's the job. They are stressed out. They are scared. Like, that's some crazy junk to to think that someone could kill you just on one of their stressed out nights. Um, that's why I just say the way we're going about this job is wrong. I think it's a whole host of things. I think it's not only the job, but also our gun laws and things, too. Um, because when you look at other countries, and I, I don't want to go too far left, the, our original topic, but when you look at other countries um, who have stricter gun laws, uh, some countries don't allow you to have guns at all. Crime tends to be down. Violence tends to be down. It's a lot safer. You know, you go to Canada, you know, you have to have special licenses to own guns and things there. There's a lot less crime. There are, there are a lot less murders. They have, they have, we have cities in America that have more murders than they have in a year. Some of them have more murders in a quarter than they have in a year. So it's a direct correlation to that and that why that job becomes so stressful. But again, we talked about the training and the militarization. When you give someone, when you give someone a gun, I mean, take, think back to when you were a kid even and you played with toy guns, water guns, how much power did you feel at that moment having that in your hand? And it's the same thing when you give that to an adult on top of the fact that, because of the way things are in our country and in our world overall, you see a black person, you already have this, this, uh, this mentality that this person is probably violent. They're probably a drug dealer. They're this, they're that. You come up with all these preconceived notions about them. As soon as you approach their vehicle, I put that weapon in your hand. It's almost natural. It's almost like hand in hand for you to, for you to want to pull that weapon out and fire it on that person. And that's the scary thing. Again, like I said, none of us, none of us, and it happens to black women too. You know, none of us should ever have that fear of going outside because today could be the last day of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes both ways. Cause I mean, you're going to fear, I would fear a police officer so much more if I was really thugging, if I was really uh, keeping uh, 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 hardware with me. If I had something to bust back at him, I'd be worried because that's what you got to do because it's going to be them or you at the end of the day because you, you see how shook they are from, from, from what they're doing every day. Um, it, 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 I'm not saying that they're ever 
going to get it right because no life deserves to be lost. I don't think that a police officer deserves to be an executioner, but that's what we, you know, graduated this position to. But I really wanted to take the time in this episode just to really um, let our hearts uh, mourn uh, for this uh, most recent tragedy uh, in the hopes of a transformation of our American culture and uh, how, how, how our country uh, become, ha- has a legacy of policing. I think our country's legacy of policing must change. Uh, the culture of policing must change. And that's got to start with us. Agreed. So with, with with all of that being said, I I, I really hope that um, you know these things happen. I appreciate you uh, uh, jumping on the show. Uh, I know that uh, I'm definitely listening to your podcast, uh, and uh, I, I like the conversations. Um, always uh, always a good listen. Um, we get soon. Thank you. I definitely hope these conversations change. <laughs> You yeah, know, the next ones are, are good ones. But these are, you know, again, like you said, thank for one, thank you for having me on. But for two, these are just these are things that have to be discussed. Absolutely. I mean, we 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 discuss these things. Uh, it feels like on a continuum, and now uh, we're at a point where we've got to make change. We've got people in the streets. We've got people, um, hopefully, in administration. Uh, 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 hopefully our, our, our Congress, our Senate is more diverse female representatives from the state of Minnesota. I know that there are black female representatives from the states of Florida, Texas, Missouri, and Ohio, and uh, New York, everywhere that uh, we need to, to make some changes. Um, we've got a, a, a true uh, transformation uh, waiting for our country if we can just value life and, and move away from this absolute authority being given to high school graduates. Um, I just don't understand how we are treating them better than we treat doctors, lawyers, judges, um, allowing them to openly and excessively execute people. That's horrendous. Um the fact that if it were a surgeon killing someone, we would we would at least look at some malpractice insurance, right? There would be consequences. Right. There would be monitoring. That doesn't happen with police officers. They are autonomous in all senses. Um, I, I forget what the actual term is. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it sovereign justice? Uh, uh, what do you call those, those weirdo biker guys that uh, are free of uh, government restriction that can kill people? Uh, America's nightmare. Whatever, whatever you call those, um, the one percenters and all those. Uh, I mean, those guys. I mean, we 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 give these officers absolute power where it's unquestioned, and we don't realize how we've created a problem. Yeah, it's going to be a culture shift. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be jarring. It's going to be something new. But when we tell officers that you're going to have to have, is, am I am I being insulting if I call it customer service? Because they don't work for anybody, but uh, emotional intelligence must be. Uh, uh, they work of... for us. Uh, Police work for us. Uh oh. <laughs> that's what it, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's controversial. No, because they're they're supposed to be protecting us. You know. Does the other black know, guy um, feel like you're going to tell a copy works for you, or, or what's going on with that? Uh, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say, "What do you need?" and keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but absolutely, they work for us. Uh, um, it, it's just it's it's scary to think how much change uh, we have to make. Um, but once we, as a people uh, of all shades, unite and uh, in, in a front of what our rights are at this point, does it not seem like uh, the police are infringing on our rights? Uh, they're not giving me a, a, a peace of mind. Uh, I don't feel that my ability to rest comfortably in the way that their power is not being managed uh, sits with me, yeah? Yeah. Agreed. I agree. On that note, um, uh, I really, really appreciate everybody uh, coming together for this episode. Uh, does anybody have any handles that they want to drop some social media? 
projects you're working on, podcast episodes that you're recording soon, invitations <laughs> for recordings? Well, um, again, my name is, it's my podcast is called Co-Indie Collective and Individual Thoughts Coming Together. And um, right now, um, this is the topic that everybody's kind of thinking about. So um, there might be some conversation around this. Um, but, you know, this whole year has just been a tragedy, you know, so not to deflect from, you know, the George, George Floyd's um, death, but just 2020 so far, you know, from the from the beginning of the year, Kobe Bryant to this COVID-19 pandemic to now, you know, having because I've been this isn't the first killing that I've heard of. This is the the second. I think I just saw something in the news with another um, somebody who was um, a black man who was killed. Oh, the jogger. So um, he was killed. Yeah. And he was killed by, you know, um, you know, what, where is that case at? What's going on with that case? And so a third man was um, actually convicted today of murder, I believe, or, or in, indicted. Let me not get too. Yeah. Not convicted, <laughs> but indicted. So, um, yeah, but you know, you can find me on, um, those who, um, so we're just, this whole year has just been something. So that's what we will be discussing, um, on co-indie, but it's on, people can find me on Apple podcasts, um, Spotify, um, anchor. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Um, I just recently dropped an episode, actually, um, about all not not this recent one, uh, but the uh, Ahmad Arbery a few weeks ago. Um, but they could, everyone could find me at the Fade Up Podcast. Um, that's the name of the podcast. Also, my my uh, Instagram handle is at the Fade Up Podcast. Uh, Twitter is at Fade Up Podcast. Um, you know, uh, next few projects here. Um, hopefully, like I mentioned earlier, are not not um as twisted as this but you know of course as these as things progress these are issues that uh we do want to discuss because we are barbershop inspired uh podcasts and so we we want to talk about issues that affect the black community um and and something like this is important again hopefully hopefully we don't have to continue talking about it but as things happen and this progresses we will definitely make sure that we are bringing this to the forefront of our our listeners in just the world, period. Absolutely. And I appreciate, you know, every opportunity that uh, you're uh, pushing this narrative and uh, pushing for the movement for change. Uh, I thank you both for your time. If anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Chubby Idris Elba. Instagram, at Chubby Idris Elba. Check out Modern Black Man Podcast on Facebook. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Until the next episode, peace. The Modern Black Man Podcast.